morning. <clears throat> Welcome to First Church this morning on this uh, cold last day of the year. Hopefully everybody's staying warm. It's pretty pretty nasty out there this morning, but glad to see everybody here this morning. Uh, announcements for today. Next Sunday, following the 9 a.m. service, there will be a congregational meeting to accept the nominations for officers for the next year. Nominations from the floor will also be accepted. Also, next Sunday, following the congregational meeting, everyone is invited to the ministry center for a baby reception for Allie, Pastor Joel, and Josephine as they prepare to welcome a little boy into their new family. On January 12th and 13th, Revive Ohio, Allgoyce County, will be doing outreach in New Knoxville. You can see the details and the times in the bulletin. You're all encouraged to come and participate. Sunday school and confirmation restart today. Uh, please see the bulletin for the next programs and the groups to start up this week and which ones will resume next week. On Thursday, January 11th, at 6.30 p.m., we'll take down the Christmas decorations. Please come and help if you are able. Also, the nursery volunteer sheet for 2018 is up here on the front pew for you to sign up. And one last thing I wanted to add was the flower on the altar this morning is in honor of the, I think it's the 53rd wedding anniversary for Don and Carolyn Henson. So congratulations to them. If you would now stand uh, and join me in the call to worship. <clears throat> With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now we'll stand and sing Ten Thousand Reasons.
Now while we invite the children to come forward for the children's message, please take time to greet your neighbors. Morning, girls. How are you today? I think this is two weeks in a row we've only had girls at Children's Chat. I think we need to make a challenge. Where are the boys? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, well, Benjamin is still thinking about if Children's Chat is really his thing this morning or not, I think. Well, what do I got with me? An apple. Yeah. A what? How do you know it's a Honeycrisp apple? Wow. You know your apples, girlfriend. Wow. All right. So, apples are pretty cool, aren't they? They're pretty yummy. They're good for us. They're supposed to be red. Oh, well, today I'm going to introduce you to a yellow apple. Yum. 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 Well, now, I want to do something with my apple. I'm going to cut my apple in half here. Okay? I'm going to cut my apple in half here. Now, this isn't the way mom usually cuts your apple in half, is it? No, we cut it the other way. But there is something kind of magical. It is. It's a star, and that star has one, two, three, four, five points on it. Okay. Cool. Okay. So, what do we call what do we call the center part of the apple? What do we call that? The core. The core. Is that the good part of the apple to eat? No. No, no it's not. That's the part we usually leave behind, isn't it? But. But that core is the center part of that apple, right? And you cut and, it. And you cut it. And, and the seeds are in there? Yeah. We but the seeds. No. Now, I have a question. Do you have a core? No. Yes. Yes? No? Yes. Maybe so. Okay. Well, we do. We have a core. It's called our spiritual core. And it is the place... Where we connect with God. Okay? In our scripture reading today, it says... Yes, he is. When you pray, enter your inner room. That's your core. Your inner room is your core. And having shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret. Okay? We're going to be talking about prayer a lot in the next couple weeks. And... When we pray, when do you pray? When do you pray? Sometimes we forget. Oh, well, that's not what I'm worried about. When do you pray? At at night before you go to bed? Yeah. Do you pray maybe when you eat? Yeah. Do we pray before snack at school? Yeah. Yeah. When else do we pray? Do you can you only pray at night and before you eat? Well, when can we pray? Whenever you want. Whenever we want. And that's whenever we want. We enter into that inner core. And that, that prayer is just between you and God, right? Yeah. Because when we pray, do we have to, like, stand in front of everybody and say, Hey, I'm going to pray now. Is that a good idea? No, we don't have to do that. God wants us to pray from our inner core. He wants us to tell him what's really bothering him, what's really bothering us. And he wants us to tell him thank you for the things that we have. Right. So, it doesn't mean that we can't pray with our family. But Jesus teaches us that you pray to make a connection with him. When you pray, there may be other people around, but your thoughts and your words are private. They're between you and God. Okay? So, the next time you eat your apple, I want you to think about that inner core that's in there. And how about you have that inner core, and that is your connection, your spiritual core with Jesus. It is not fake. You can eat it. Okay, let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this freezing cold morning. 
Thank you for the girls that have come today and that we have learned that through prayer, you are with us wherever we go. We have an inner core and you hear that inner core all the time, no matter where we are and what we're doing. Please be with us this week. Help us to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Maria. I've been noticing a trend during children's chat recently. We had candy canes last week and apples this week. Maybe we're a little too sugared up last from last week, so we decided to go with something a little healthier this time. Oh, thank you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day. Uh, Lord, we praise you this morning because of who you are, that you are a God who cares and loves each one of us, um, who is holy and just and righteous. And, and we, we understand and know that you are here with us this morning. Your word says that where two or three gather, um, you are here with us. And so we are grateful that your presence, your spirit is here, and that you are a God who loves and, and is able to take care of our needs. Uh, Lord, your word teaches us that you provide exactly what we need according to your will. And so I pray, Lord, this morning that you would meet our needs in Christ Jesus, that, that whatever we have before us, um, Lord, that you would, you would help us to, to handle and deal with those situations, whether they're medical issues, financial issues, relationship issues, Lord. Um, you're able to meet and, and work in any of those situations, um, Lord. And so as we bring 2017 to a close this year and begin 2018, I pray that our, our, our needs would be met in you and that we would learn, Lord, to trust you even more fully and even more completely, um, Lord, with, with what challenges and difficulties we face and will face in the coming year. I pray that you would help our hearts and our minds and our inner core to be focused on you this day and for this year coming up. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, This time I want to invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward. Our offering today goes to help the Elevator Modernization Project. Um, As many of you are aware, that's something we've been raising money for for some time. And the Rohrbach Quartet will be singing, Mary, Did You Know?
standing for our scripture reading this morning uh, from the gospel of Matthew chapter 6 verses 5 through 8 and when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others truly I tell you they have received their full reward but when you pray go into your room close the door And pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. And now if you would join us in singing number 435. What a friend we have in Jesus.
seated. Father, we thank you again for this time. We can gather together and praise your name and worship you. And I pray that as we open your word together, that you are you would focus our hearts and our minds on what you have to say to us today. And I pray that you give me words to speak, to, to clearly proclaim the message and the good news of your gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, obviously, you're all well aware as, as New Year's Eve. And as the calendar turns over to 2018, one of the things that that we tend to do is we like to make resolutions for the coming year, right? We like to make promises to ourselves or to family to make some sort of improvements in, in one form or, or another. A lot of the most common ones have to do with finances, right? Having a better budget, having a better reign on your, on your money. Um, a lot of them have to do with health, for health reasons, whether it's eating healthier, or exercising more. Um, I hear that, that the why is usually the busiest, right, for those first three weeks of January, and then things start to calm down a little bit after that. Uh, but for what, whatever, whatever resolution you make, whatever promise you make to yourself, um, they're usually for some sort of self-improvement or, or to take better care of, of yourself in one way or another. Most of our New Year's resolutions are very self-centered in that way, right? They're, they're looking at to improve something about ourselves. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that, but, but that tends to be the focus is, is inward. It tends to be focusing on, on improving ourselves or our lives in some way. What I want to encourage us beginning today and, and looking forward as we, as we study the Lord's Prayer and look at what it means to pray like Jesus, I think it would be great for us as, as a church and as individuals to commit to, to making 2018 a year of prayer. Um, that, of course, is, is, a, is a way of self-improvement, right? It, you're you're going to benefit from that, but that's more than just for personal benefit. A, 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 prayer, a solid prayer life is going to benefit yourself and others. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make this church benefit as a result of it. And so I think it's a, it's a great thing for us as a church to commit to doing that. But before we can commit to, to a year of prayer, before we can commit to improving and, and working on our prayer life, we need to start and ask the question, start with the question, what is prayer? What does it mean to pray? What does it mean to, to seek God in that way? Prayer in its very basic, a very basic definition of prayer would be simply just having conversation with God. At its very, its very core, that's what prayer is all about. Having that, that communication or conversation with God. Now, prayer is meant to be a two-way conversation, right? It's meant to be uh, us laying out our requests or laying out our praise or laying out our confession to the Lord. Um, and it's also meant, we're also meant to hear from Him as well. But too often we make prayer a one-way conversation, right? It's one-sided. We lay all of our concerns. We lay out all of our requests out to God. And then we just wrap it up there and go on throughout our day. Too often we make prayer just a one-way conversation instead of hearing what God may have to say to us through His Word. And really, God initiates the conversation. It's not Prayer is not something that we do for God. It's something that God has made available for us. And He initiates the conversation through His Word. See, God has made His Word available. He has made His will known to us through Scripture. And so prayer, at its most basic sense, is simply a response to that. A response and a continued conversation uh, that God began when He revealed His Word to us. You see, prayer is essential for the Christian life. There may be a lot of people, right, who aren't Christians who say they pray. Right? You see that all the time, whether it's on Facebook or what other form of uh, social media <clears throat> you use. You see people offering their thoughts and prayers all the time, right? They may not actually be praying, you know, that's, that's something that they have to determine for themselves. But, but we see all the time evidence of people that aren't Christians, that aren't Christ followers who pray. But I would challenge us to say that it's impossible to be a Christian, it's impossible to be someone who follows Christ and not pray. Prayer is essential to what it means to follow Christ. A lack of prayer indicates that we don't really trust God. To not pray, to not seek Him out, is, is to say that we don't trust Him. To not pray means that we don't really care or think that He's worthy of our time. And to not pray means that we don't think God can really handle our problems. 
All right, have you guys ever heard the phrase, when all else fails, pray? Right? How often do we live that out in our own lives? We try to fix our own problems. We try to make things work our way and we try our hardest to, to, to reach the solution or the outcome that we want. And when that doesn't seem to be working, we say, okay, I guess we should pray about it. Right? That's demonstrating that we don't think God can really handle our problems or handle the stuff that's going on in our lives. Instead, we need to learn to trust God. We need to come to Him in prayer and lay all of those things at His feet. He is worthy of our time. We should trust Him with whatever we're facing, the good and the bad and the ugly of our lives. He's worthy of our trust and worthy of our time and attention. And that goes for us as individuals, but it goes for us as a church as well. I think a healthy church is a praying church. But in order to be a praying church, in order to, to make that kind of commitment that I talked about, we need to learn how to pray. I'm not saying that we're completely ignorant on that subject. I'm not saying that, that we're starting at ground zero. There's a lot of faithful prayer that already happens here in this church. And I praise God for that. But as a church as a whole, we want to come around uh, prayer and, and, and come around this, this idea of, of having that conversation with the Lord and do so in a way that, that is scriptural in the way that Jesus taught His disciples. The Lord's Prayer, as, as, which is so familiar to many of us, is found actually twice in the Gospels. The first one is in Matthew uh, during Jesus' teaching on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. And that's the one we're most familiar with. That's the one we often recite together. Uh, and it's the one that most people are aware of. Uh, and it's one that we're going to be studying over the next several weeks. But there's another version that's found in Luke 11, and, and I point that out to you because I love the way that Luke introduces that form of the Lord's Prayer. At one point, Jesus was off praying by Himself in a certain place. This is in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. He was praying in a certain place, and when He finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught His disciples. And so then Jesus goes on to, to teach them, once again, the Lord's Prayer. And, and again, it's, it's, the disciples were seeing Jesus. They were observing how He was praying. They were observing that kind of prayer life that He had. Throughout the Gospels, it mentions that Jesus would often go off by Himself, go off to, the, to a private place, excuse me, and pray. And if that's something Jesus needed to do, how much more so do we need to do it? And so it was on one of those occasions that the disciples were seeing him in his prayer time, seeing him praying to the Father, and said, Lord, teach us to pray like you pray. Teach us to have that same kind of prayer life, that same kind of trust and dependence on the Lord that you have. And it's the Lord's prayer that he gave them. So Jesus gave us the Lord's prayer in order to teach us how to pray. And so you may be sitting there thinking, okay, prayer sounds great. I want to have a good prayer life. I want to be able to trust the Lord like that and be able to lay my requests at His feet and worship Him through prayer and, and, and develop my relationship with the Lord like that. But where do I begin? How do I have that kind of prayer life? The key to, to having a prayer life like that is by looking at the Lord's prayer and by studying it and by, by using that as a pattern for our own prayer life. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the coming months. But before we dive into that, before we look at the Lord's Prayer line by line and what it has to teach us, I want to take some time today to look at this introduction to, to prayer that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 6, which Maria just read for you. And in this passage, Jesus teaches us a couple very important things about prayer and what prayer is and also what it is not. And so we're going to be taking a look at that together today. I encourage you to have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 6 if you have them. We're going to be, there's just four verses, it's a short passage, but we're going to be looking at it kind of line by line. And so if you have a Bible available, it's a, maybe a good idea, especially if you're a visual person, to, to be able to follow along. So Jesus begins this passage, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse 5, and he says, And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in their synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And so this first verse teaches us something that prayer is not. First of all, prayer is not showing off. 
Prayer is not about making yourself look good so that others think you're some sort of super Christian or some sort of very spiritual uh, Christ follower. Prayer is not about showing off to others. Jesus uses the word hypocrites here in this passage, and and we often associate hypocrites with with um, with the gospels and with these religious leaders of the day. But a hypocrite, the 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 meaning behind the word is simply actor. A hypocrite, in a secular sense, was someone who was playing a part, someone who was pretending to be something that they they were not. And that really, at the core, is what being a hypocrite is, right? It's it's pretending to be someone pretending to act a certain way, pretending to, to do certain things so that others will think you're better than you really are, right? You're not, your, your actual beliefs, your actual um, thought patterns don't line up with your actions. What they were doing here, what these, what these hypocrites were doing was they were, they were drawing attention to themselves. Their, their focus was on themselves rather than God. And their motivation was to be seen by other people. Now, it seems ironic to say that prayer is not about showing off just moments after I just stood up here and prayed in front of a whole bunch of people, right? It seems a little strange to, to say that, that prayer is not meant to be done in public. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying that prayer, Jesus is not saying that prayer should only be private behind closed doors and not a part of, of the public worship of, of God or public life at all. Prayer is meant to be that, but it's not only to be that. Does that make sense? Prayer is not meant to be public in order to draw attention to yourself. It's, a, it's about the motivation. If you're praying in public, if you're standing, if, I'm, if I were to stand up here and pray simply to sound good and impress people, so that all of you and those that are listening on the radio would think, man, Pastor Joel really has it all together. Right? That's not the right motivation. That's not why you should be praying. Prayer is okay to be done in public as long as the motivation and the heart is in the right place. And it's a, it's a, it's a heart that's focused on God rather than self. The motivation for God to be glorified rather than myself. When that is the case, when that is the true motivation, then yeah, it's okay to pray in public. That is fine. But the problem here that Jesus is speaking against is praying so that other people can see them. Praying so that attention can be drawn to yourself. It says here that they've received their reward in full. It says, I think their goal here was not to impress, excuse me, their goal was to impress others. And so that's what they've done. Right? We've all been around people, I'm sure. We've all heard prayers that were really impressive. And you think, man, that, and I'm not speaking necessarily the motivation of that person's heart, but we've thought, man, that was some prayer, right? <laughs> that was, that was impressive, right? And if that's their goal, if that's the, if that's the motivation of their heart, then they've received their reward because they've impressed other people. But they will not receive any more reward from God because their prayer, excuse me, their intention was not to impress Him or to glorify Him to begin with. And so, so hypocrites who stand up and pray in order to be seen by others have received the reward, but that's all. They've, they've gotten attention. They've, they've been noticed by people. But if that's their entire purpose, if that's all that their goal was, was to impress others, then obviously their prayer is falling short and it's not the true prayer life that God desires for His people to have. So we've learned, first of all, that prayer is not showing off. But what, it, what should prayer be? Instead of showing off, prayer is about seeking God. Verse 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We're, to, we're told to go in and close the door. Prayer for prayer's sake, not to be heard by others. Right Again, it goes back to the motivations. It goes back to why we're praying. Are we doing it so that we can glorify God and that we can develop and strengthen our relationship with Him? Or are we doing it to impress others? See, God sees what is done in secret. He do, we don't need to show off to get His attention. And there's no place that we can go that we can hide from God. 
God is everywhere. God is in all places. And so we don't need to be standing at the pulpit. We don't need to be standing on the street corners on a soapbox in order to get God's attention for Him to hear us. We can be alone. We can be in our, our, our inner room. We can be uh, behind closed doors and God can still hear our prayer. That prayer is just as effective as the one that is prayed with a microphone in front of other people. Psalm 139 reminds us that God is everywhere and that no matter where we go, we can pray to Him because He is there with us. 139 verses 7-12 through 12 says, Where can I go to escape Your Spirit? Where can I flee from Your presence? If I go to heaven, You are there. If I make my bed in the depths, You are there. If I live, if I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there Your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. It reminds us that no matter what we face in this life, no matter where we are physically, but also no matter where we are spiritually, no matter what we have going on, what difficulties we face, God is there. And if God is there, then we can pray to Him and we can lift up our prayers and He will hear us and answer us. See, the Father already knows our hearts. He knows our motivations. And so we can't fool Him like we can fool others. He sees and He hears our prayers even when others don't. And as Psalm, that passage from the Psalms that I just read reminds us, God is, God is so close to us, we don't, have to, we don't even have to speak our prayers out loud. Right? We can pray just simply in the stillness and the quietness of our hearts and our minds And God is able to hear us and answer those prayers. He understands and and He hears even our our most inmost thoughts and emotions. And He does so because He has given us His Spirit and His Spirit resides in us. Romans 8, 26-27 reminds us of this reality. Paul writes, In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray for as we should but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. See, God has sent us a Spirit and He knows us. He created us. And, and, and the Spirit knows the Father's mind. And so, so even when we're not sure what to pray, even when we don't know how to pray, God's Spirit guides us and intercedes on our behalf. Prayer is meant to be personal, but it's not private. I've already alluded to this, but but Paul, or excuse me, Jesus here in this passage in the Sermon on the Mount is not teaching that we should only pray in private. Public prayer is a good and necessary thing, but our private prayers need to be the foundation of our public prayers. Our private prayer life, that that prayer life that we have in, the, in that inner room, is what feeds and, and gives life to our public prayers. If we don't have that relationship with God, if we're not strengthening that and developing that with a normal, regular prayer life, then those public prayers are are going to always are are going to fall short because they're not going to be God-centered. They're going to be centered on ourselves. And so, Jesus here again is reminding us that we need to seek God's presence and not just His hand. What I mean by that is, is we need to seek our relationship with Him. We need to seek out uh, knowing God and, and developing that relationship that he, is, he wants to have with us, not just what we can receive from Him. So often our prayers are just simply focused on, God, give me this. God, give me that. And that while that can be a part of regular prayer, seeking God out and crying out to Him for help, our focus should always be on, on knowing Him and developing that relationship with Him. Prayer is the main way that we can develop and strengthen that relationship. It's not just about what He can do for us. It's, a, it's not just about the blessings. It's about the One who gives the blessings as well. So prayer is not showing off, it's, but it is seeking God's face. Second thing that Jesus teaches us here is that prayer is not trying to convince God. He goes on to, to write in verse 7, And when you pray, do not go on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) That's the next verse. Um, 
He ends here, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Prayer is not trying to convince God. See, God's not impressed by our our fancy Christian words, right? God's not impressed by the by the quantity or even the quality of our words, right? That was something that that pagan religions, that pagan gods, had to be convinced, they had to be bribed, they had to be appeased, they had to have their interest piqued in order for them to answer prayers. Reminds me of the scene in First Kings chapter eighteen, where Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal to a to a um, to see who, whose God would answer their prayers. <clears throat> they both set up sacrifices, prepared them, but they didn't light the altar. Right? They, didn't, they didn't set the fire. And they would just wait and see who, which God would answer their prayers. And so Elijah allows the prophets of Baal to go first. And, and there were some 400 of them. And, and they began to just dance around and cry out to God and repeat their phrases and repeat their prayers and and. and just begin to frantically cry out to their God. And Elijah just sits back and even starts to make fun of them. I love that passage. He said, he said what's wrong? Is, is Baal busy? Is he preoccupied? Has he gone on one of his many trips? Does he need to be awakened? Right? And, and, the, and the prophets just continue. They repeat themselves and they begin to dance and, and begin to just frantically cry out. And they even get to the point where they start cutting themselves with swords, um, thinking that the, the flow of their blood would somehow get their God's attention. And all the while, Elijah's just sitting back and watching nothing happened. And it says, no one answered, no one responded, no one was there. See, the pagan understanding of, of God was that we had to manipulate God. We had to try to get Him to, to see things our way. We had to do enough things, we had to appease Him enough in order for Him to answer our prayers. And so that's what, uh, what motivated the prayers of of these false idols. But Elijah, on the other hand, simply understood that God is present, God is powerful, and God hears our prayers. And so after drenching his sacrifice in water many times over in order to make it even more difficult for, for his prayer to be answered, Elijah simply knelt down and prayed that God would, would send fire, and that's exactly what he did. He didn't have to show off. He didn't have to manipulate God. He didn't have to to use many words in order to get God's attention. He simply prayed and God answered. We often think that, you know, we look at the story of, of Elijah and the prophets of Baal and think, how ridiculous, right? We don't go dancing around. We don't cut ourselves with swords in order to get God's attention, right? We just do it in other ways, right? We do other things to, that, that we think... Um, we do other things to try to get God's attention and try to manipulate Him to answer our prayers. Right? If I just go to church every Sunday, God will notice and He's going to have to answer my prayers. If I just give so much money in the offering plate every week, then God must pay attention to that and answer my prayers. If I use words like thou and <laughs> thou art holy and all you know these special Christian words that we throw out all the time, God must hear those and be pleased and answer our prayers. We often think that if we just say the right things or do the right things, then God will notice and, and listen and hear what we have to say. We think of God like this cosmic vending machine, right? We just, we just insert our money, press the right buttons, and we're going to get the result that we want. The problem is that life doesn't work that way, does it? God doesn't work that way. And so we try to, we try to manipulate God. We, we say, God, I've done all the things you've asked me to do. I've said the right prayers. I've done the right um, Christian things. I've gone to church. Why aren't you hearing me? Why aren't you answering me? And we get frustrated and we get upset, but God never promises to work that way. God, Our God is not like that. He cares about us and hears us, not because He's been manipulated to do so. He does it because He loves us. He cares about us. And He doesn't need to be manipulated into that. And He answers and hears our prayers because He is glorified through them. John chapter 14, verse 13, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in My name, I will do it. And we often just stop it there, right? Whatever you ask in My name, I'll do it. So if I just tack on in Jesus' name at the end of my prayer, God's got to answer it. But that's not how it works. Jesus says, Whatever you ask in My name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
See, God answers our prayers not, not out of some sort of coercion or manipulation on our part. He does it so that He may be glorified. He answers our prayers according to His will so that His will could be accomplished. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It's not tacking on some formula at the end of our prayer. It's about praying in accordance and along with the will of God so that He could be glorified in, in everything. So prayer is not trying to manipulate God, but it is revealing our heart to Him. Again, the Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 8, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. We don't have to convince God because He already knows. Good fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, so how much more so will our good God give good gifts to His children? Matthew chapter 7, just later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father in heaven good, give, good, good, excuse me, give good things to those who ask Him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same to them, for this is the law and the prophets. See, it's not about manipulating God. God already loves and cares about us. We don't have to convince Him to do that. But it's about trusting that what He wants to give us, what is according to His will, is what's best for us. God knows our heart and what we need better than we do. The human heart is deceptive, but God knows the heart. Jeremiah 17, 9-10 teaches us that. We often don't know what to ask for. We ask for the wrong things. We ask for things that will ultimately hurt us or damage us in the end. And God knows that. And so He gives us not what we want, but what we need. And so prayer isn't about trying to change God's mind. It's not about trying to manipulate Him to do our will, but it's about lining up our heart and our mind with God's. It's about seeking His will and not our own. It says here that He knows the things that we need, not the things that we want. We often pray for what we want. As we seek God in prayer and reveal our hearts to Him, He helps us to focus on what we actually need and what will be beneficial to us. And so prayer is, is not about trying to manipulate Him to do our will, but it's about seeking His. And finally, prayer is not just mere repetition. Jesus goes on to, to then give the Lord's Prayer to, to the, those that are hearing him, hearing him preach the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> and, and later on again to His disciples when they ask Him how to pray. So it's not about just mere repetition. Notice here, Jesus says this is not what to pray. He says this is how you should pray. Jesus here is, is not encouraging us to simply just repeat things over and over again. Repetition um, is not necessarily a bad thing. We can, it can be a good thing to pray the words that are listed here. We do so every Sunday. But if that's all we do is just merely repeating words, then that has some negative effects on us. Repetition can disengage the mind. We stop really thinking about what the words mean and just repeat the words. It may be easy to teach the words, but not what they mean. When this happens, meaning is not found in, excuse me, meaning is found in the ritual, ritual itself instead of the original intended purpose. Jesus didn't intend for us to just simply memorize these words and never really think about what they mean. What he, why he gave us, the reason why He gave us these words is so that we could know what prayer is all about. So we could have that pot, pattern and that model for prayer and engage God in that way. But when we just focus on repeating the words and not what they mean, we, we lose that meaning and that purpose. And so if it's not about mere repetition, what is the purpose of the Lord's Prayer? It's about having a pattern for all of our other prayers. It's about the how and not the what. Each line of the Lord's Prayer gives us an example of how God, of how, excuse me, 
how and what we should pray for. Again, prayer is not just about a request. It's not about just listing off all the things we want God to do in our lives. But it includes other things like praise, thanksgiving, confession, as well as our requests. Prayer is about responding to God's Word. God has initiated the conversation with us through the Bible. All prayer really then is is a response to what God has done for us. And that's what the Lord's Prayer models for us. It's not just meant to be repeated word for word. Each line should then remind us of the things we are to praise God for and other areas where He needs, where other, other areas where we need His provision and new reasons to ask Him for our forgiveness, for His forgiveness. And so over the next several weeks, as we take a deep dive into this Lord's Prayer, I encourage you to think about it more than just the words that are there, but what they mean and how they can inspire us and encourage us to then pray for other things that are in line with that as well. So as we praise God, our Father who is in heaven, and, and make His name holy, we learn to pray other ways. We learn and it brings to mind other reasons why God is holy and why, what we have to thank and praise Him for, and so on. And so I, again, I want to I want to close. By the way, I started and encourage you to commit to praying in 2018. Commit to make 2018 a year of prayer with an open Bible in front of you, not to show off so that you can be seen as some spiritual person, not to try to manipulate God into getting what you want, but to seek Him and to reveal our hearts to Him. Again, it's more prayer is more than just a request. It's seeking God's presence in a deeper relationship with Him. Let's commit to doing that together over the next several weeks, but also this year. Let's pray. Father, thank You for um, all that You have done for us. Thank You that You are a God who hears and answers our prayers, not because You've been manipulated to do so, but because You're a loving, caring God who is gracious and compassionate toward His children. I pray now that You would equip us and encourage us to to seek You out in prayer, Lord, here at a church, but also in our own lives each and every day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and in closing sing number 354, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms.
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may go in peace. Thank you.